Holy moly, I'm happy to be here. Wait, I don't know. What? Whatever, we're just going to keep rolling because we've had a bunch of tech issues and I'm just, I don't have, it's, it's one, no, it's 12.30 here in Europe and it's episode 95 of Hotline League. I'm joined right now by my constant co-host Mark Zimmerman as well as Kelsey Moser, 100T coach, 100T academy coach. And uh, I don't know, what is your, do you have a title while you're at Worlds? Because you're doing stuff that isn't coaching at Worlds, Kelsey. Uh, currently just freelance currently she's article a, writing she's a freelance Yay. article writer um, <laughs> we also have two sponsors which uh, because I've been running around trying to get everything going I realize they don't have their logo up on screen yet so I'm going to do that in a second and we'll interrupt myself in, in the middle of whatever I'm doing to introduce them to the show uh, but while I work on getting those logos up Mark how's your week been uh, it's been weird, kind of on that polyphasic sleep cycle kind of thing where I'll get up at 5 a.m., watch games, nap at like 11 or until like 4 usually, and then get back up and then go to bed at midnight or 1. So I'm still getting my eight hours. It's just really messed up. Uh, but other than that, pretty good. Games have been exciting for the most part. I think there haven't been too many surprises this world yet. Um, hopefully you get to see some more in the second half. I don't know if you feel different, Kelsey. Yeah, I I think for me there are a few upsets just because I think Fnatic for me is the biggest surprise of the tournament. But other than that, I think it's just more like, okay, I could see this have gone this way even if I didn't predict it because of X, Y, and Z. So yeah, it's been like kind of an uninspiring tournament from that perspective yeah yeah i think the, the fanatic thing it depends how like where you rated them because it felt like everyone thought they were good but it was a question of like are they tournament favorite good or are like or even not favorite but like chance at winning the tournament or just like a top eight team at worlds uh as well as like how they're playing is i guess uh, how they play is a big it's surprise. how how they're playing is yeah. fucking weird like that's I, I don't it's not about how you rate them or whether or not you expected them to lose to SKT and RNG because you know frankly like I think RNG just historically have had a good matchup against them and then SKT Fanatic whatever you know it, it, it's it's doesn't really matter what the results are because let's be honest they've played three games what matters is the stuff that they're doing makes no sense whatsoever like their drafts are really illogical um, the Garen Yumi thing is, is fine, I guess, but it's how they comp around it more than anything. And also the fact that they're not really acknowledging what Hillisong does for their team when they're playing, when they're focusing so much on Yumi in particular. Like a lot of people are like, let's just put Reckless on standard ADCs. It has nothing to do with that shit at all. It's just, uh, their drafts are just bad compositionally. Like no single part of the draft is bad. It's just that the draft as a whole is bad. All right, well, we'll we're going to get more into the Fnatic stuff uh, as time goes on, I'm sure. Uh, mm -hmm. But I do want to give a shout-out to Alienware, uh, who sponsors so much of what I do, as well as Movement. As well as Movement. There we go. Um, for sponsoring Hotline League. We'll talk more about them as the show continues. Uh, but, okay, so before we super deep dive into any of the teams again or whatever, and especially because maybe it's a good idea to do that around calls, uh, how have Worlds been for both of you? Mark, you said that you've been dealing uh with sleep stuff but i mean do you you generally are you enjoying this world 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to not enjoy Worlds. I don't know what that would be like to, to not be enjoying it. Uh, but it's like like we were saying, it's it's not been the craziest one. I I don't think we really seem like I don't know, like a GAM level upset or like Kaboom or any of those kind of like crazy ones that really throw a group, group out of whack yet. Um, there's been close to a couple, like the, there's been some really close calls, uh, like the TL game versus HQ and C9, um, but they, they still managed to clutch those out. So game might've been a little scary in the moment, but then the result ended up kind of what you would have expected. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you don't look too close at it. I do think that... It's not that the games aren't aren't like the results are predictable. That's a letdown. It's just that sometimes the way in which the games are being won, like really really awkward things that are fit, somewhat deciding the games, such as uh, Baron setups teams that usually are very good at controlling midsection and then you know setting up zones, making sure they're calling turns. On um, Barons, just are not doing that really randomly i there's so many 50 50 barons even relative to previous worlds so things like that are the things that are more disappointing to me than the results themselves well uh we've been in brett and i have been in berlin for almost a week now i think we we landed tomorrow it'll be a full week um and it's been pretty up and down i'll say i mean I'm, i'm obviously enjoying the games but um, Kelsey knows the, and I don't know. I, I'm trying not to flame Riot here because I don't think it's all their fault. <laughs> not but, a good day for that. Well, so like, well, yeah, it's their 10 year anniversary, which we can we can talk a little about in a little bit. But uh, press situation's just been rough. The uh, the press room is pretty tight with the amount of media that are in there, so it's kind of hard to get around. Um, there have been teams and it's getting a little bit better, but there have been teams that are just kind of like blanket declining interviews or not doing very many. Um, Griffin seems to just like not be doing any Western interviews, I assume because of their coaching shit. Um, but it just makes it hard. And then the other thing is the internet is just, um, really bad outside the venue. So like the press work room has had rough internet. So I, anyway, this is me more just like venting at how i've been but it has been a bit of a difficult <laughs> world i feel like and um and it's it's definitely taking its toll but i'm super happy to be doing the show and uh and by the way it is the day that riot is celebrating their 10-year anniversary uh if they've announced stuff you're watching the vod or listening to the audio and we won't be able to reference any of that because unfortunately this is a couple <laughs> hours before their like big show um, but it's exciting for sure. And I mean, I, it's been really kind of fun to see all the Twitter, uh, stuff where people are kind of reflecting on it. I know Mark said you're, you're going to shit post soon if you haven't already for the Oh, I already thing. did. Instead of celebrating league, I'm going to go back over every mistake Riot has made over the last 10 years gotcha. to commemorate 10 years that they somehow made it through, you know? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so oh, anyway, that's that's that. Uh, but I, it is cool to, to have the 10-year stuff. And Oh, by the way, if you are watching live right now, just know that I'm going to be st- uh, co-streaming the 10-year anniversary announcement. So feel free to stick around, and we'll all watch the show together. It'll be fun. All right. Uh, let's actually dive in, though. So, okay, so it seems like the big things that we're talking about right now are world group stage, obviously. So some of the big stuff there, Fnatic. We can talk about whether or not Funplus is on the rise. Uh, we just finished, by the way, for people that are watching the VOD, listening to the podcast, 
Uh, this this is the end of is today Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday here in in Berlin, which means that we're done with the first four days of groups. Uh, and as it stands, G2 and SKT, the only teams that have made it out 3-0 unscathed, which is fascinating. Um, and I think kind of lends itself to the narrative going into this of, you know, who were the strongest teams. I think people would have said those two. Uh, Bjergsen re-signed with TSM. We can talk about that. I'm sure we'll get at least a call or two saying it's the best thing ever. It's the worst thing ever. And then I'm trying to think, oh, I mean, I guess we can talk a little bit about the Griffin stuff if anybody wants to call in about it, since there's been like crazy stuff coming out about all that. And I think it's not super clear yet um, what is going on there. Um, anything else that I'm forgetting, guys? Uh, nope. I see a lot of people posting topics in the, the, the text channels, but they're not joining the call room, so you do that, people. Yeah, so do you want to just explain how the show works for anybody who hasn't uh, been caught yeah. in the Yeah. Oh, so yeah, if you've Invert, never seen the show before. Invert, our guest from last week, is no longer at FlyQuest and seemingly looking for a job. So I think it sounds like that was like a FlyQuest decision, not not that he necessarily left. Oh, be careful on this show, Kelsey. Watch out. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure uh, I'm watch- um, Yeah, okay, got it. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Sounds like uh, I don't know what happened between them. That sucks for him. Uh, anyways, if you guys haven't seen the show before, the way this works, it's a live call-in show. In Twitch chat, I just posted the Discord. Uh, once you click join up, you can go ahead and join one of the pleb calls or pleb calls voice channels. You need to do that for me to be able to pull you into the waiting room. I will do that if I like your topic, which you should post in the pleb topics or subtopics text channel. I'll be going in there pulling things. Uh, and after that, we'll, uh, we'll be waiting in the waiting room until it's your turn to come on. And then we will talk to you. Yeah, very good. And if you are a sub, uh, first off, thank you for being a sub. Really appreciate it. Um, feel free to join the subtopics chat in Discord after you've linked your Discord and Twitch together. And that'll allow you to uh, put your topics there. And that moves a little slower. So we can go about it that way. Um, but Mark, do you want to go ahead and grab, uh, start grabbing callers? Sure. Uh, while Mark is doing that, speaking of subs, I want to read off some subs, which I super appreciate. Uh, we're pulling that going right now. Twitch chat. Uh, oh, hundred T Kelsey Moser head coach. Oh yes. That's, this is Kelsey. She works for hundred T if you're just joining now. Um, she's here doing some freelance work uh, covering Worlds because unfortunately 100T didn't make it here. Although they do seem to have a lot of a presence here. We've got Bang doing interviews, Kelsey doing interviews, and Papa Smithy on the desk, which I find uh, pretty funny. Let's see. It uh, looks like Mark is still pulling somebody, and I'm still grabbing the subtopic. Okay, here we go. Thank you for I, I Hate Snarf, Kylo Zen, Fermentum GG, Champloo for the four months. Shiny Froki, 20 months, Ferdy IRL, 14, and Hinge for two. Uh, still waiting on Mark, so I'm going to keep going. Angry it, IT Dude for three, X Solvark for 10, and Benjamin for three months in a row. Uh, looks like Mark oh, Mark is coming back right now, and he's brought Droland with him. Droland, where are you calling from? Hello, I'm from Phoenix. Phoenix, and uh, what did you mm-hmm. want to talk about on the show tonight? Uh, so my topic was just a general question for Kelsey on how Papa Smith T is going to integrate with 100T and if he's helping out with you guys yet. I love this is a, such a spicy week. Yeah. 
And uh, and we get this. Gonna, uh, we get like a general question right now. Hey, I, I got. He's gonna stoke really in-depth discussion, but uh, basically, he's yeah. I mean, he ha- he has been talking to everyone so far. Um, he is the GM, so he's going to be doing GM-specific things like um, rock. Yeah. So that's that's basically what Office with has been doing so far. Sorry, can you repeat? I had a drop from that. You said he's doing GM specific things like what? Roster stuff? Like roster related stuff, uh, leading the roster building, and generally managing the staff so far. So basically, just ongoing meetings are led through Papa Smithy right now. And that's, that's basically It's not too controversial to say that. I don't think I'm leaking anything. So. Yeah, I mean, I assume that it makes sense that you guys are looking at roster stuff the same way every org does during the break. Yep. Uh, have you had too much, or have you had much interaction with Papa Smithy so far, Kelsey? Uh, yeah, we have regular meetings. Um, most of the staff does. So he's been working hard at work already, earning the uh, esports bucks. It's an interesting situation to be in because he's at Worlds. Um, yep. on a desk and also trying to figure out, I guess, how, what his roster is going to look like. Yeah, I guess so. Well, some people can multitask. I know that not everyone can, but multitasking occurs occasionally. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a shot of Travis? What's that? Is that a shot of no, Travis? No, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Why I, would it be a shot I'm working. I'm doing a lot of things here. I've been working all day. Um, Mark, I'm balancing some stuff that we're releasing later tonight. Uh, Mark with Broden. Mark, do you have yeah. thoughts on this Papa Smithy stuff? No. Great. He does well, have hey, this, cat, is, so. this is super. I have more important things on my mind and I can't multitask. Look how cute he is. Waiting for, I was expecting something like, oh, wow, what a terrible person. You know, he should be. 100% focused on either casting or 100 Thieves, not double dipping. But that would be pretty uh, <laughs> pretty unfair given that like my whole position so I can do multiple things with my time as opposed to just cast League. So yeah. that would definitely yeah. throw some stones. I'm just saying that, that that's about as controversial as I think you can get with this. So. Yeah. 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 Drill, I mean, Drolan, do you have any other additional questions or anything? Um, I, I guess like just a side take, I really am very excited to see Papa Smithy joining 100 Thieves, and I do think that 100 Thieves will be a top three team next uh, year overall. Um, I think like obviously there's going to have to be some roster adjustments, especially with mid lane, but I think that overall, especially with Kelsey, uh, Papa Smithy, and with probably there, I'm very excited. So, Well, unfortunately, there won't be a specific adjustment in the mid lane for Hunter T that I think a lot of Hunter T fans are hoping for, but maybe we'll talk about that in a later call. I assume you pulled somebody, Mark, yeah? Uh, for what? For the Bjergsen stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Discord, we fixed this weird popping noise mm-hmm. earlier that Discord would make, but now, every now and then, every couple minutes, the Discord audio just gets tinny, so this is like the fun new world we get to live in. Uh, either way, Drolland, anything you want to say as we move on to the next caller? Nope, I'm all good. All right. Thank Thanks. You. Have a good one. Thanks for coming on. Okay. I've reconnected again. Um, let's see if this works. 
Mark is grabbing the next caller. Uh, Kelsey, how long are you are you staying through the entire Worlds? Uh, I'm just staying for the Berlin stage, so I'm going to hang out in Berlin for a little bit before I go back to LA, so... Gotcha. Yeah. I continually keep dropping and reconnecting to the Discord to try and fix it. Novaris, where are you calling from? Um, hello, I'm calling from Italy, actually. From Italy? Uh, okay. First time. Is it better? So I managed to catch this uh, live because you do it usually way too late and I'm just asleep. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's kind of fun. I mean, it, it is still late in Europe. Uh, it's one o'clock here in Berlin. Is it the same in, in Italy? Do you guys share the same time zone? Yep. It's uh, Rome time zone, so yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Well, um, uh, what do you want to talk about on the show tonight? I um, My take is that uh, Fnatic, uh, after basically band-aiding all year and trying to deny against all proof that they don't have a system, uh, finally exposed themselves because uh, Broxa is good at what he does in Fnatic, but he's not really a creative jungler that you would see, like, for example, Yangos uh, or anyone else really in Europe, actually, I think. And um, you see that because we saw that very well, I think, in uh, this last game they played. Okay, Broxa would show up, go top, and then he would go bot once and then try to go top again. And he didn't really... I, I don't think that he, he could have done much more if he tried to... Uh, press the advantage that they managed to get on bot side once they blew. And, uh, and I, I don't think that uh, he pressed the advantage that he had. The other thing that I wanted to say was that these picks, uh, they were Fnatic tries to be cute and get this weird um, <clears throat> comms. I really hurt them because uh, Hilesang is their best player, in my opinion. And uh, he needs to roam to help Broxa function properly, uh, especially in uh, mid lane, uh, because they need to free up Nemesis where he can actually start to affect the map in bot lane and mid lane and the top lane. How they managed to get uh, G2 to five games twice, and that's the Fnatic that we actually saw get the second seed. I think that I like that this game, this time. So, Novaris, it sounds like you're suggesting Fnatic had systemic problems this whole year and that it's only now that they're finally, you know, getting exposed here at Worlds. Uh, basically, yes. Yeah. Uh, Kelsey or, or Mark, I don't know how you, either of you feel about this. but Kelsey, you, I think I remember reading an article of yours months ago about I think maybe I'm getting it wrong, but I think it was Broxa you were saying was overrated as a jungler. Is that roughly what it, I remember you, you were bringing up other examples of other junglers, right? I think with the exception of his performance at Worlds last year, I've pretty much felt that Broxa is pretty overrated. I think he had a good performance at Worlds, largely hinged on the fact that you could very easily early pick his pool. And I think it has kind of a limited number of champions that he performs well on, but even then... It is pretty standard, kind of like the movements that he goes for. A lot of stuff like individual situations where lanes need resets are really contingent on um, some of Hillsong's own. So I don't necessarily disagree. However, I would say that this particular tournament doesn't feel like like it's necessarily 
fair to blame Broxa for everything. So I wouldn't say that this is like a Broxa specific problem. Um, maybe if the argument is along the lines of, oh, okay, these strategies like these Yumi Garen specific strategies are really, really strong. And the fact that they can't execute them is down to Broxa. You could potentially make that argument. But I also think that um, the comps that they, they draft around them, just even independently of Broxa, are not particularly good. So um, it's really strange because it feels like even when they're picking these like strong power picks, it feels like they don't understand exactly how to make them work or how to make it so that you're not just forced to have kind of like a one-dimensional group up, get first turret before 15 minutes, or uh, lose most of your ability to see showers. So. It seems weird because from everything we've seen from the Garen Yumi in the games, even not Fnatic ones, but like it seems like a pretty weak strategy in the early to mid game. Um, and then it eventually, you know, hits this point where Yumi really starts chunk hard after like an item and a half, maybe, or if she gets her death cap right away with like a rush on the build you're doing. And then Garen also hits this point where he gets unkillable. And then it kind of becomes like, well, it doesn't matter you have a 3k gold lead it's really hard to take territory against us because you're basically walking into this roaming artillery bullshit and that seems kind of at odds with fanatics playstyle from you know their their summer split where you know people talk about hilly being their best player right on a playmaker you want to see them roaming well yumi can't do any of that she's kind of just stuck to the garen uh if this is weak in the early game as it appears to be then that's also not seeming to be their play style where they were the best I think they had almost all the best early game stats in Europe. So, like, it seems beyond what people are criticizing. Like, put Reckless on carries, which which you hear a lot of. But even I'm saying that, too, a little bit where I just, I don't know. The, the whole thing looks a little sus. But this iteration of it in particular, I think, hampers them more than if, like, the, the Morgana Blitzcrank at least makes sense, where Morgana sits 1v2, plays pretty uninteractive, and then Hilly's free to go do what he wants. Like, that's one where I can get a little bit more behind. Now, whether or not that makes sense in the rest of the comp is different. Um, but, you know, the Garen Yumi definitely, I, as, as annoying as it looks, I'm not 100% sold on the strategy as doing much other than being super, super hard to abuse. See, I, I think the thing that's weird about it is that Fnatic was like the first team to actually bring it out I recall correctly, within the context of the LEC. So they, they were the first ones to really kind of debut it and have it show up on stage. So uh, I think it's a little bit strange. And like at those compositions were very, um, usually they were somewhat TS-centric, right? Uh, I think the first time they brought it out, they did have a, a TF with it. They had like a Nocturne, so they had a, the ability to kind of have like slightly more range, to have the ability to move around the map um, have slightly more mobility in that context, whereas I feel like um, that would allow them to like kind of make moves away from the Garen Yumi. And I also think that the Nocturne pairs really well with the Yumi in terms of allowing Hillisong to do what he wants to do as well in terms of having an effect on the map. So like all of these feel slightly more fanatic centric uses of it. Whereas like if you're setting up this thing where it's just a strict like one three one. You have to have the ability to hold the midsection, but you're not going to get to that point until Garen has enough items. Just doesn't seem as like thought out 
as well as keeping the jungle pick to 4-5 when you have a jungler like Broxa. So these are more kind of my concerns with it, is just like thinking about how are we going to get to a point where our like gangplank rise Garen Yumi is going to actually make sense on the map. Well, especially um, because... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, obviously, like, gangplank has a good matchup into Akali, but... A lot of the other stuff just didn't make sense, didn't get them an opening, contesting like the level one, like even beyond just the drafts, some of the stuff, the decisions they're making, contesting the level one as Rek'Sai versus like Lee Sin, things of that nature just feel really, really awkward and bad in general. Yeah, I think the the way I saw Garen Yumi working before was it was actually a catch champion more so than a poke champion, where like, yes, it had really obnoxious poke. Uh, that was really good in landing phase, but then the slow was super obnoxious, especially with Garen's speed-ups. And you, if you were ever caught anywhere not near a turret, they could theoretically engage on you with this Garen-Yumi crap. Uh, and now, without like having that much stickiness, it seems like more of a poke champion, which is, you know, even though technically the same two champions, it plays fundamentally different. And then when you pair it with things like you're saying, like a TF and a Nocturne, you have all these things that can go in together and really catch people who are just slightly out of position. Um, that's not what it does anymore, and it just looks really awkward to try and get things done in the early, in the mid to late game. You know, it's it like I said, super annoying. But I haven't seen it other than maybe the Griffin game versus versus um, C9. The other examples were like C9 had trouble pushing to him, would just keep engaging onto it, and Clutch did the same thing where they would just keep alting it, and they were trying to kill the Garen. You can't kill the Garen, but that's that's not like they. It's like the, the Garen Yumi's particularly doing anything to you it's more like you can't do anything to it so i i haven't seen it function exactly you know like you're saying with these other picks quite as well and i'm not sure what you exactly want to put around it to make its game plan work like you're saying maybe one three one i mean it's just the best. more like so so i think the one three and one is fine like that idea is fine but they didn't necessarily have like any sort of agency to get themselves out of the early game to the point where like Garen Yumi could theoretically hold the setup. Also, they didn't really have good range for sieging the tower. So at the point where, okay, we have to take mid tower so we can hold the map, they're basically just like forcing themselves and trying to impale themselves short range against this tower, right? They don't yeah. have like the ability to like attack it from range. They don't have the ability to kind of like, like what exactly is Garen Yumi frontlining for at a certain point is what you're wondering yourself. Like, obviously, Garen, Yumi, the combination. Yumi is kind of the carry, right? But like in the early and mid game, like you need to have kind of a bridge to get to that point. And I felt like a lot of these drafts really kind of lacked that. So you got to the point even in the Clutch series where it felt like, okay, if Clutch were a better team, this would be closed out against them because like they don't have a range. What, are, what the fuck are they even going to do at a certain point? So um, yeah, I don't know. It was strange. So it's not like the Garen Yumi in and of itself is bad um, or that I think it's necessarily fundamentally bad for Fnatic, which I do think, like, if you do have a, a playmaker like Hillisong and a, kind of a, a more one-dimensional jungler like Braxa, obviously there there's a bit of a disconnect and problems with it, but I do think that, uh, generally speaking, like, people are blaming Fnatic for drafting Garen Yumi without really understanding, like, the full picture of why it's not working for them. So a uh, question here is, is... There's like a fundamental fanatic problem that's going to stop them from being able to find success in the second half of groups. Uh, no, because even if it's even if we drop Garen Yumi, they're still doing weird shit, and I don't know what's going on. 
Okay, yeah. How's <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the same thing, basically, where I'm not convinced that even if they were going, like, standard drafts, playing sides of the Kaisas, Ayas, you know, mostly playing normal, I'm not convinced that they're beating RNG and uh, SKT with what we're seeing otherwise. So, yeah, I, I think that they're in a lot of trouble. I don't. I don't think they get. They get out. I didn't think they got out before. I was. I was one of the the naysayers on the Fnatic hype train. I thought they didn't get out before. I thought that um, Royal has a good matchup into them, but I thought that Fnatic has like more of a level of consistency in what they want to do, and they had a better matchup into SKT, specifically regarding kind of just the way that. Like, Cloud is way more of an independent agent than a lot of the junglers in terms of coordinating with his lanes sufficiently. Like, I think Cloud a lot of, of times is just kind of like autonomously going from lane to lane, not necessarily like working in conjunction with the setups. A lot of his ganks are like not even at good timings, right? But they work because certain people won't expect them or the CC combos with the laners are just really, really on point, right? So for me, it was like, okay, if you have a lot of agency and good reset timings from Fnatic and then Hillsong is doing a good job and you're constantly forcing the 3v2 mid, then you're in a much better position. That's not the way that they're playing. I also felt like um, a lot of times SKT don't necessarily get contested in, and you saw this in the SKT RNG series game as well. Like a lot of times SKT don't really get contested in like their ability to hold mid either and then go to side so if they can't answer like a mid push like almost like an aram style mid push um how do they react so that was my question mark for it uh obviously they ended up being able to adapt only after kind of mis-executing their composition several times in that game but i thought that something like that could be taken advantage of either by a team like rng or a team like fanatic and I felt like RNG would be kind of more uh, exploitable or easy to figure out because they're just not going to change at all. Whereas Fnatic, to me, seemed like they had more dimensions. Like, they were able to adapt to the way that G2 was using Vision in their series in the best of five, and I thought that that was really cool to see. So stuff like that, I thought, would give Fnatic more of an edge. So, Nevaris, um, so I, I'll go ahead. Go ahead. So, yeah, I actually kind of, like, did think that Fnatic were, had, like, a, would get out of this group, and I'm just really surprised that not only are they drafting really, really strange things that don't necessarily make sense as a whole, but they're also just playing poorly. Like, you see a lot of really bad decisions, mis-executed, like, whiffing, like, almost of their abilities or using them for no reason against the RNG game today. Like, stuff like that. It's just really strange. So Novaris, yeah. I take it you have you don't have Fnatic getting out. Actually, had them getting out, I thought that uh, Broxa would be able to come with a game plan and blow up one lane. I wanted Broxa to just take uh, people and blow up one lane and try to win through one lane as they did many games, but they are just they are just not doing it. No, I mean, I guess I mean, do you feel now that they're going to get out? Uh, no, I'm, after seeing this Fnatic, I don't see them getting out. Even if they change their draft, I, I don't see... So so I have a question for you, because I'm actually kind of curious about this. And I, I think people will think that I'm like trying to you know, go in on EU fans or something. That's not really the case. I, I actually, I'm just kind of curious. Like, Do you 
let's say Splice doesn't make it out, and then Fnatic doesn't make it out, and not only do they not make it out, but they look not great in the process. How do you feel as an LEC fan about all this stuff? Is it okay if G2 you know, looks solid and they're just carrying the, the torch for LEC, or is this like a disappointing year for you? I mean, I was, I, it was a sad day the day uh, Splice won Gauntlet. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, don't, I don't see... I, if G2 can win it, I, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy if they, if, can, if they can win. I'm... It's really nice for bragging rights if uh, if uh, Fnatic or Splice get out, but I I I only really care about who wins. Yeah. Only G2 makes it, and then they win it all. It's I don't really care about the others. So, so then what? Yeah. What looks like a successful year for EU as a as an LEC fan? Is it does G2 have to win the whole thing for you to feel successful if the other two don't don't make it out, or is it just make it to to finals or semis? <clears throat> To me, it's already successful, but I, I don't think people will actually count this. It's like RNG dominated all of 2018 and then IG1, so no one gives a shit about RNG anymore. I lost, I lost Kelsey's... Uh, Kelsey, can you refresh your uh, RNG was the... <laughs> That's a freeze frame. Yeah. Mid-blink. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Sorry. No, so, basically... For me, they are, um, it's already a success for, but for it to be cemented and accepted, I think that they need to win. Someone from EU needs to win the awards for it to be really a success. Yeah. EU wants to say that yeah, that uh, LEC can contend with LPL and LCK. They don't want to say, oh, we're better than LCS. So we need to win. Otherwise, we won't be able to say that we are actually equal to them. Yeah. To LCK and SBL. Well, thanks so much, Novaris, for calling in. Anything you want to say as we move on to the next caller? Um, really like wanted for our Origin to show up in Gauntlet and say, "Psych, we didn't actually collapse, but <laughs> no, we can't have nice things." Apparently, yeah. have a good one. Have a good one. All right. Um, let's take a quick break right now to talk about. Uh, this will be our first sponsor break of the night. Alienware, who's supporting so much of the stuff that we're doing here at, at Worlds. Um, I talked about this before, but Worlds is actually an incredibly expensive thing to cover. Uh, just the sheer amount of costs associated with flying over from the U.S., uh, flying to all these different cities, mm-hmm. uh, going to these hotels and staying in them for a long period of time. Uh, because of the fact that Broden and I do video content, it makes... It makes it so that you have to find a place that has good internet. You know, I obviously want to do Hotline League. Um, and so I, I just, I can't express enough how absolutely expensive it is to cover this stuff. You know, I, I encourage you guys to think about just the cost of flying over to Europe for potentially over a month. And all of that uh, is made possible for us through Alienware. Um, Broden and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. So I, uh, I want to give a huge shout out to them using their M15 notebook uh, over here, uh, Broden and myself both, to create all the content uh, that's happening. And uh, they're going to be doing a giveaway later on throughout uh, through Worlds with me uh, to win one of those. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, you can go check it out over at Alienware.com slash Travis. If you're watching the YouTube VOD, you can click the link in the description. Uh, that'll help you. Uh, you can check out some of their stuff. They've got a bunch of other cool things over there, too. 
including, and this is, you know, I'm not saying this is for everyone, but they have a 55-inch OLED gaming monitor. Mm-hmm. Think about a monitor, 55 inches, it's pretty big. Uh, and, and I believe I'm getting that delivered to my place while I'm at World, so that'll be my present as I come home. Do you know roughly what day? What day? Um, yeah. I, I'm resetting, there we go. I'm uh, disconnecting from Discord because for some reason we lost uh, audio again. But um, I don't know what day, Mark. I don't know what day. But I've got somebody at home who's going to bring it into the apartment so you can't steal it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Either way, go go check out. It's not a TV. Uh, somebody in the Twitch chat says it's a TV. No. It's actually a monitor. Uh, all the cool features that are available for monitors are available in this thing, including FreeSync, by the way. So go check that and so many other things out at alienware.com slash Travis. I'll put it in the Twitch chat. And uh, thank you to Alienware for supporting so much of the things that we do here at Worlds. Uh, but I believe it's time to move on to the next caller if you want to go grab them, Mark. I'm going to go ahead and drop that into uh, into Twitch chat. Yeah, go look at go look at it if you're on the YouTube video. Click in the, the thing. It helps me out a ton. Mark is grabbing the next caller right now. Um, while he's doing that, let me shout out a couple people. Uh, let's see. Levitator444, Steve Akron, Benjamin, Exolvark, Bezium100, Fragbite Light, and Mark's still over there. Rabble Rouser, The Notorious Mid, and Cameron Zero Zero C. I actually, again, uh, because Worlds is so expensive, it is really nice when people are supporting the stream by subbing so i appreciate it. oh and as i'm saying that avura sent uh, sub for 12 months thank you for the one year and i a trickster i believe is how you say that uh, we got harry the man 298 here harry where are you calling from i'm from the netherlands from the netherlands oh we're gonna get all these eu callers uh because we've got yeah, a different time zone for the show even i mean it is one o'clock here but uh i appreciate it. harry uh welcome to the show what do you want to talk about uh, my hot take is that everyone is hyping up SKT and especially FPX, and they are so overrated. In my and and the reason why is that uh, um, Splice should have won the game against uh, FPX, and there was zero two. And now everybody is saying FPX back is back. That's not true. If if they if they the same again against Splice and Splice is getting back and they will uh, be playing good and they will uh, rot that game so and SKT like... oh go ahead and SKT uh, that game against RNG RNG played bad because they didn't uh, watch the side lanes they didn't watch the TPs only one TP and it's pretty easy when they get backdoored like in the U-team. So sorry, I'm a little confused. What's the what's the connection between FPX and SKT? He's just saying they're both overrated. Oh, they're both overrated. Okay. Right. Yeah. We're not just the hot Let's... take is not just calling one team, one first seed overrated. We gotta go in on two simultaneously. I like it. Alright. Travis, <laughs> pick, pick pick the team you want us to cover first. Uh, let's let's start with FPX because I feel like saying SKT is overrated is going to be that's a good way to end this call. Um, but yeah, so FPX. So first off, I don't know if people are. Can you say? I, I guess Mark and Kelsey, I'll ask you. 
is it fair to even say FPX are overrated? Because I feel like a lot of people are saying like, okay, well, FPX, you know, uh, they had that bad game, but like maybe now they're coming back. I don't feel like anybody's like, okay, FPX top contender. Oh, I think mm-hmm. relative to coming into to the tournament, say they're overrated, at least what we've seen so far. I mean, maybe they, they stabilize better, but, you know, they they were, and I was one of the people who thought they'd be really good um, after having a good run in, in the LPL. And I thought, you know, the LPL was arguably one of the best regions. So, you know, and, and as well as watching their games, they have their own look. There's all these things that they do kind of different in my mind than, than other teams. I was really excited for them, and they've definitely not impressed me at all. And I, I, I'm questioning whether I... <laughs> Like, what did I see? Like, I, I swear they were good. It doesn't look like it. Mm. I don't know. Can I ask specifically why you thought they were good? Because I don't, I, 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 I've talked to so many people who have said that, like, FPX is a contender for the tournament, but I don't actually hear, um, like, LPL analysts do, say it. So that's why it's, like, really interesting to me that um, I hear don't, a lot of people think... watch, like, the finals say that they looked, like, insane, right? I think for me... Uh, part of it, like I said, is, is just context of where they play. How, like they were what twenty nine and four, like they were super good there. Um, I thought Tian and is it Doinby or Doinby? Because I always say Doinby, but then I started hearing everyone on the cast. Like, yeah. Okay. Doinby. Okay. I don't know why on the cast I started hearing people say it different ways. Um, but I think Doinby is a really inventive player, and a lot of worlds is about finding the meta. And I thought like. He's probably going to have a, a unique perspective on the meta that will challenge teams. I thought they, he works really well with Tian. They do a good job making plays happen. Um, they're just really, really good facilitators. Um, LWX was a little like, I, you know, everyone was talking about him. He's supposed to be sick. I, I didn't quite buy into to him on that level. I, I didn't think it was, it was really him that made the team. Really exciting. I, I thought it was mid jungle, and I thought mid jungle was going to be really important in this world with with Clid and Faker. Or, yeah, Clid and Faker, uh, Yankos, Apps. Um, you know, I thought a lot of stuff would be revolving around how well mid jungles synced up, as well as like Showmaker Canyon, um, Tarzan, Chovy. Like I thought, I thought a lot of games would come down to, to that. And outside of group stage, we start getting the best of fives. I thought. Like, you know, like I was saying, their their uniqueness, what they're going to be doing, how hard they probably are to prep for, the fact that they should match up well with other team mid-jungle duos. I thought that that would make them um, stack up well versus a lot of teams. But I don't know. Apparently, I was, disagree. I, was, I was on crack. Uh, I, I guess for me, one thing that people don't really point out about Dwayne B is that his, his actual landing is bad. Um just like in terms of 1v1, I think he's very good at orchestrating the team around kind of his fuck-ups, if that makes sense, and using those to create opportunities. But if you just look at his strict landing, it's not good. And that's always kind of been the question mark for me, is that a lot of these kind of like weird things that FBX do are almost to cover up for that, because it's like, all right, if I screw this up, then I'm going to have my support and my jungle come help me get the reset off first, and we're going to use that reset to go to a sideline. Then I might even end up losing like three waves for something that I messed up, but we're going to be able to get this kind of dive off, which feels like, which to me is, uh, it's so strange because like a lot of what IG does, I would say, is like a really inconsistent strategy as well. And then they won worlds with it. So I guess inconsistent strategies don't always matter, but it's like eventually... 
a lot of the inconsistencies of it backfired on them, right? Because a lot of the stuff that they were doing was uh, very fixated on like three lanes being super shoved forward at once. Um, Ning being able to kind of play for the right scuttle and then knowing where the jungle would match, but not always being able to, to get that using a lot of the same like weird um, gank paths via uh, lane brush, and this is all stuff that you could see IG consistently doing before they were punished for it. So it feels like really similar to me in terms of FBX is that there are like really obvious problems with them. And I think even RNG identified a little bit how they wanted to counter them. And Xiaohu for me is like a better laning mid laner. So uh, based on based on that factor, I thought that they would be a lot more easy to deal with in the world, especially since all Doin B teams are almost always the same, and then he'll have like really insane regular seasons runs and get smashed in uh, the first playoff series he plays, basically. So, so Kelsey, are you not... Does that mean that you're... I mean, okay, so I guess the, the question for me is, as, as somebody who doesn't watch very much LPL, you know, this is the number one seed from that region, and it doesn't seem like they really fluked into that position. Like, it wasn't a huge upset when they won... <laughs> Right, so is it? Isn't it kind of strange? Are you? I guess I would say, are you down on the whole LPL region if you feel like their first seed isn't a contender and perhaps isn't that good? It's really strange to talk about that because historically speaking, the LPL first seed has not done well at Worlds, right? Um, since 2013, they've just not made it past quarterfinals and. You could argue that the LPL has still performed historically really well at Worlds overall. So, like part of that, you could say is group draw, quarterfinal draw, everything else. Like there are a lot of weird circumstances. I, I think that part of it is just um, certain factors. Like especially with EDG, they don't really run into walls domestically, or if you don't necessarily run into walls domestically, but the the other teams, and I think this is consistent in other regions as well. But other teams, like second and third C teams are constantly like forced to adapt and run into walls. And so they might do better internationally um, than teams like EDG or FPX or doing these like kinds of teams. So yeah. And even to that point, like um, RNG, you know, if you're talking about doing B being overrated, like RNG is probably not a team that's going to exploit that um, rookie was having a bad, a relatively bad split um, mm -hmm. Knights team whose name escapes me. Uh, uh, top sports, yeah. yeah, top top sports. They they like it's basically Knight and not that many other great players. So even if Knight is able to to abuse Doinby, if, if you know his uh, weakness is laning, like outside of that, there's probably not enough help coming from the rest of his team. So I can I can you know buy what Kelsey's saying about there's maybe not a team domestically that at least during the time period of summer we're able to uh, stack up beat them. That makes sense. Yeah, one second. Yeah, Let me it doesn't necessarily mean that those uh, specific better against international competition um, either. So that's it's kind of a, a weird situation because that's historically been the case, right? Like no one could be EDG domestically, but you know, come to Worlds and they run into all sorts of things they're not used to. Uh, they can't bait people into picking Twitch into Lucian suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it happened in, in North America too, right? Like TSM would always win, but 
you know, whatever reason you want to uh, attribute it to, they would not perform at all at World. But then there's C9 and another group scraping by, by the, you know, the skin of their teeth, making it into orders until they actually win a semi. So, like, there, if you look, there is some historical precedence for number one seed for whatever reason. Well, you know, it's probably, you, you don't want to make a sweeping statement, but go case by case, but that they, they don't do, they sometimes underperform. Okay, well, we have a second take here, which is just SKT is overrated. Um, that did. seems really hard to for me to understand <laughs> because it feels like they're super dominant. But yeah, why do you think SKT I, are overrated? If you look at their games, especially uh, uh, the RNG game, RNG should have won that game against SKT uh, because um, um, SKT backdoored them. And if RNG took one or more teleports, uh, then they can match Vegas uh, teleport and, and other teleports. And also, uh, it's SKT. SKT is getting hyped up. Uh, Faker, uh, number one player in the world for some reason, some weird reason. Uh, he's still good, but he's not a, he, he's not his own. They're better players right now. I think Perks and even uh, Caps, if he's performing well and not inting, is better uh, uh, right now. And also, and also, Fnatic, uh, in that game, uh, I did know, and I got it later, that uh, they're ill, some some players are sick, so yeah, that hurts also against those kind of teams. Against Clutch, it doesn't matter, because Clutch is Clutch, so that's why. And I don't think SKT I, is going to make past the quarterfinals if they play like uh, if they get a bad draw if they get a bad draw um, yeah alright well okay I will say this in interviewing the SKT players until maybe today it did feel like you know you do the winners interview but they didn't seem very happy about it um, so I, I guess it's fair maybe saying that they were they won in dominant fashion is 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 uh unfair but it does it just does feel like them and g2 are are in a different world um i don't know kelsey or, or mark either of you want to chime in on this um i don't know you want to go first kelsey uh sure i think that it's fair that a lot of skt's like mis executions haven't really been highlighted on the broadcast as much uh, but I think that they're, even then, they're performing a little bit better than I thought they would just because they're bringing out more interesting things. Um, even if they're not figuring out how to how to do, like, uh, Faker's Tristana went 9-0 or whatever, and it wasn't the cleanest Tristana we've seen, right? A lot of that was Fnatic running it down, which we kind of already discussed. And the level one that they took, which shouldn't have happened, and Whippo shouldn't have lost lane to Akalia's game blank and all of these other factors. But um, so there were some things that that felt like, and then of course the RNG series, it was like, how many times are we going to group mid and play like we're a North American team before we figure out uh, how to one three one against a team with only one teleport? So I think that those those factors can be levied as criticism against SKT, but they ended up playing better overall than I thought they did, mostly because of their ability to adapt within the context of a game, which I don't see a lot of other teams um, having the same ability to do. I think that that's always kind of been a, a strong aspect of teams' figures on, and then when games were 
decided earlier, that was something that you couldn't really see SKT do well. So unless we see the meta shift more into like kind of the early game focus stuff, then I think uh, SKT are still going to be stronger contenders. And I think that that's kind of the main thing that separates them is because it's like if games go late enough, SKT kind of figure out what they're doing and can adapt within the context of a game. That's something that's a strength of them. So. I feel yeah, like I you have, it's so funny, Kelsey, you're like, uh, I did not think this team was going to do well. I didn't think this team was going to do well. <laughs> didn't think this team. And then I thought these guys might do well, but they are sucking now. And so you just live in this sad yeah, yeah. world at world. It's like, who is there anyone? <laughs> yeah. I guess G2 is the only team where you probably were like, this is a good team and they're doing well. Yeah, I mean, G2 was a good team. They're doing well. I think, I thought that RNG, like, this group is super uniquely good for them, right? Like, I didn't think yeah. that RNG could get out of the Griffin group. I wouldn't call them to get out, but being against Fnatic SKT, who are both teams that I thought were like, pretty good, um, in terms of you could argue that Fnatic maybe going into this would be like a similar level to Griffin or whatever. Um, then if you can make those those types of arguments, then I think RNG would get destroyed in a G2 Griffin group, but they're super happy in an SKT Fnatic group. So uh, yeah, those 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 kinds of things I, I was I predicted. I thought that, that was accurate. So um I, it's not that I was wrong about everything, but I think like SKT Fnatic are two things that I was definitely wrong about. I think um, the thing that sells me on SKT is everyone looks good. Um, and, you know, like Kelsey was saying, they're, they're trying different things. This is not like MSI where they're just running super standard comps with Azir and like whatever, you know, they, they have these different mm -hmm. game plans they're working with. Those will get honed as the tournament goes on. Um, and while some of their decision-making, you could say, has been lackluster, like the RNG game or something, they at least seem relatively coordinated, I would say. Um, you know, maybe it's the wrong call or something, but I, I think when I watch SKT, it's like they seem mostly on the same page as, as a team. Um, so you have good skilled players who aren't going to really get outmatched by most people except in specific, specific matchups. And then you have a relatively well-coached and coordinated team that's, you know, as the meta gets more developed and they have more time, uh, they'll, they'll hopefully perform better. And I don't see... The other thing is, I don't see who else is supposed to be better than them. It'd be one thing if FPX was fucking slaughtering Group B, and then it's like, well, maybe FPX, when they finally meet them, will hold up. Or you know, maybe IG was was dominating or something. It's like, oh, well, when they bump into IG solo lanes, then they'll be in trouble. But like, other than G2, who most people are saying right now is, is the tournament favorite and is the best team in the tournament, I don't see who is supposed to be holding the number two spot over SKT. Yeah, I don't know if, if if Harry has a has a suggestion for who the number two. Yeah, I'm actually curious. Uh, great tournament. Uh, um, I thought uh, what I've seen uh, that was fanatic. Maybe because I'm a fanatic fan, but I've seen also the finals in any. I think it was the best finals I've ever watched. And um, but then fanatic gets the struggles with sickness, illness. It's really hard to draft about that. Uh, all right. And, um, yeah, uh, right now, I think if Repo gets better and he gets well soon, uh, they will get out. Uh, 
I don't think RNG gets out them because I think RNG is exploitable then. Um, and the second best team right now I've seen is IG. IG really turns up uh, this tournament, uh, especially the shy and rookie. So maybe we get a final against either Ichu versus IG, or I hope a European final, but that's my hope. I think I think, the... I think that is your hope. Uh, I will say though, I <laughs> I'm I'm down to get behind the idea that IG is the second best team of the tournament because boy did they struggle to beat TL. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's a TL run up <laughs> against them. It's um, very clearly IG is a strong team. Um, <laughs> either really either way. On the on the fanatic being sick point, I made this I made this point. Wait one second, Mark. Sorry. Look. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I made this point on listen or not listen uh, uh, summoning insight, but it's it's one thing to contextualize some some opinions on like oh maybe Whippo looked worse because this, but I think it's I personally don't like using those kinds of facts and like knowledge of of like behind the scenes stuff and what could be affecting them um, to necessarily uh, you know make make my opinion of them be higher like oh they're sick or. Griffin's coach is, is got fired and it seems like there's some internal bullshit going on there that's that's really hampering them. It's like that's true for some teams, but you also don't know what's true going on for all of them just because it's not public information. What the fuck is going on with C9? You know, like there's there's all these things going on with different teams, and I I don't like using that kind of information to change my opinion of a team because I don't get it from everyone. So it's fine to use as context, but I wouldn't go and say they're way better than they're showing because they're sick. They're going to, if they weren't sick, they'd be number one in the group. Cause like, I don't know, maybe FPX is sick, maybe, uh, or maybe they're, they're jet lagged and they can't sleep. Or one of them is like vomiting or uh, someone, maybe someone's mom is sick. You, you never know what's going on in someone's life. And I just, and, and like I said, it's fine to use this context and, and to share and for people to discuss, but I, I wouldn't want to change my opinion on a team based off this kind of stuff because it just feels sort of selective like whoever you're closest with or whoever's the most vocals is suddenly like oh they they were fine it was just this thing that that held them back i think that that's a fair point to make because like during the griffin c9 game everyone was pointing out that oh griffin are suddenly using sword again and that's probably done under duress and all this stuff it's like yeah just logically c9 decided to start blabber because that's logical, you know? Yeah. Like, obviously, there's some kind of game-specific reason for that because we haven't been told anything else. And that's just, like, the assumption that people made, made, right? But, I don't know, it seems, like, really strange to me that C9 suddenly, like, hard pivot to use Blabber two games in a row. Yes, they brought Blabber to last year's Worlds, and yes, they let Blabber play in last year's Worlds, but they let him play in the play-in, right? They, they didn't put Blabber... Uh, the main stage. And I, I do think that there are a lot of strong points to Blabber, but I think it's it's honestly incorrect to say that C9's early game is better with well, Blabber. I don't, I don't want to get too off topic with the C9 well. stuff. Uh, I don't know, Mark, if you have yeah. a C9 caller in the waiting, but we should talk about it later on in the show, maybe. Yeah, I think, sure, I think sure. we have a little bit about C9. Either way, my point is just like, you see weird things coming out of a ton of team and it's always a question about what's going on. And I, I just don't like, uh, you know, kind of excusing 
and, and to be fair, Fnatic isn't doing this. I, I haven't heard their players say this, that like, oh, no, we wouldn't be SKT if this. I'm just saying, like, I think fans shouldn't do that either. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for calling in, Harry. Anything you want to say as we move on to the next caller? No, thank you for having me. And uh, I'm a big EU, EU fan and, and a veteran fan. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you for calling in. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. <laughs> I love callers. Um... By the way, somebody in the Twitch chat said, anyone annoyed that Riot is using is having TFT show matches to celebrate League of Legends when it's a League of Legends 10-year anniversary? No. No one is annoyed. TFT is the best game. It's the future of League of Legends. This Summoner's Rift shit is dead. And uh, in five years, Kelsey's going to be interviewing me when I'm at worlds playing tft why would i be interviewing you lucas nguyen is here lucas where are you calling from <laughs> um well good morning first of all um i'm calling from denmark but i just want to clarify first that i'm not i'm not actually i'm not actually a danish i was born in vietnam it's pretty clear based on my last name very i mean very i mean i think somebody with your last name could have also been born in yeah, I see. I see what you mean. Yeah, they can board. I can tell you there are many Nguyen's who have been born in the U.S. They're not necessarily born. Yeah, I see. Up. If Luke, they're clear, for example, yeah, I see, see nine players. Lucas, what, what do you want to talk Welcome to the show as another EU caller. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show tonight? So, um, well, I just want to clarify first that, okay, so I was born in Vietnam, so therefore... I don't have that much of a Western bias because I I have seen many uh, negative thoughts on the tweet chat, which take, is uh, <laughs> take me through your whole life story, Lucas. I need to know more. What was it like? Uh, what was it like growing up? Get to the take. Are your parents still together? Uh, um, yeah, they're still together. Thank, thank, Great. Uh, thank you for asking. All right. So my whole take is that um, Fnatic, Cloud9, and Splice will bounce back in the second half of the group stage, while uh, Liquid will also make it out of the group over down one. And, um, well, I believe so because uh, historically, um, Fnatic and Cloud9 has um, have managed to overcome a lot of tougher group and, and, and the tougher result in, a, um, in the first week of the group. While Splice, uh, they're pretty much in a very you know, easy group. So I would expect the same thing happens then. So sorry, your, your take is uh, Splice and Fnatic make it out and TL makes it out. Um, and Cloud9 as well, yes. And Cloud, oh, oh, and Cloud9 as well. <laughs> and I assume you mean G2 as well. Yeah. Well, G2, yes. <laughs> so well, we've got, well, so all Western teams except for Clutch make it out next week. Well, Clutch is in a very, uh, like a very tough spot. Yeah, you right don't now, need so to justify Clutch. I, I'm not, I'm just trying to clarify. <laughs> the topic. Yes, uh, correct. I, uh, I think he does, okay? I just want to Clutch say, Lucas, every now and then, I see a comment on my YouTube video that's on my YouTube that says, I, this was the last episode I could watch these callers. I can't keep watching. Where does Mark find these people? And I'm worried that this call from you is going to be one of those comments on, on YouTube. So why do you have all EU teams and, and every all Western teams except for Clutch making it out? So, well, I see it very clear that uh, Splice is, is, uh, is very much of an underdog team right now in the tournament. But but the group B, uh, I mean, they they will be the first seed and no and no and no well no disrespect for them, but uh, they're pretty much in a 
uh, in a group with the first seed from, tai and from Taiwan and the first seed from Vietnam. So, I mean, there's a chance they can get it out. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> while Cloud9, historically, they, uh, they have been proving that they can manage to, um, to pass many um, other impossible groups. Okay. And you just, you have enough faith in TL? Well, TL, well, they're very experienced, and that one is, it, 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 well, it's very much their first work. Um, well, and I, I would expect them to choke in the second part of the group. Okay, and then Fnatic is what? You think it's going to be, Bwipo's going to get healthy, and then he'll dominate? <laughs> well, yeah, I hope. And, um, well, there was, uh, in World Twins team, the uh, they had the result of zero four, and it, and it was much, and, and it was much uh, harder before. So yeah, I kind of have faith in, in Fnatic as well. Okay, uh, I, this is Sorry? this is a difficult call to toss to you guys because there's like a million different topics here. Let me let me I just let's start off with percentage chance that every Western team makes it <laughs> out of groups and into quarters. Mark, Mark, you want to give zero. me a percentage? This is this is this is that call that we had with Kelby, you know, from last year when he was like zero percent chance C nine gets out of Group B, and then they, they did it. That's what this one is. I, I say zero percent that that all the teams get out, except Clutch. Right, and it worked. Clutch, yeah. I'm saying, still zero. Um, uh, I would be more willing to say this conversation could happen if we were not including Fnatic, honestly. So I think Fnatic... Fnatic, you're, you're, you're ready to let everybody through except for Fnatic? That's how tilted I mean, you I are for watching this, their like, games? There's a non-zero chance, honestly. I think it would be non-zero because, like, let's let's think about this logically, right? Because we have um, Cloud9, the, the Cloud9 Griffin G2 group, right? I think that the game between Griffin and Cloud9 was close enough, and C9, like, honestly had kind of the better draft and the better game plan there so there's like a, a world where they can can win out in their the next matchup and then maybe force a tiebreaker you know there's a lot of turmoil a lot of confusing things like i actually think that c9 stylistically when they play with spence Karen are kind of better at setting up the map and could execute map control better and they're like one of the better na like kind of side lane teams uh, when they're able to execute that, like obviously Blabber does a lot of really strange things sometimes. I still think he's like a mechanically talented jungler with a future, but just right now, like Spence Garen is is better for the team. So, uh, like I, I see a world where that that can happen, where like C9 can force themselves out of the group, right? Uh, especially if you have Damwon going over to G2. I don't know, maybe G2 decide like one game that they want to play Soraka top or something. They're feeling themselves and they drop to C9 for some reason. Um, like there's there's a non-zero chance of that happening, right? I think... And then... So for me, the problem is even if these are like each separately, you know, non-zero, like mm -hmm. I think Splice has a decent chance. C9, I can totally see what you're pitching, but yeah. like even if all of these chances are 50-50... It's they they we're seeing all of them happen, right, Travis? That was the question. Yeah, so it all you, you know how you know how probability math, happens, right? Like you you 
Yeah, it's it's six. If it's fifty fifty, it doesn't go down to zero percent chance. You multiply it, right? So that, that's yeah, not you zero. To, you still have to land heads four times in a row. It's it's a yeah, 6 but that's a non-zero. Chance. Yeah, that like, is a non-zero chance. That is true. Fifty-fifty. If you put these things lower, it starts dropping. If you put yeah, them, like, but that's still non-zero, right? You're still multiplying non-zero numbers. Okay, yeah. If it's if it's only a third, you're getting to one percent. You start getting lower to the point where I'm like, the limit is approaching zero. I, this is mathematically close enough for me to round to zero. I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like approaching zero. I don't think it's like that low. I mean, honestly. I, there's a non-zero chance I could get out of groups. All right. Like there's the, the no, possibilities sure are it. infinite here. All right? <laughs> I, think, I think we need to have a probability class here, guys. I took a lot of I took a lot of logic and probability courses. We need to, we need to figure this shit I, out. I, right. I think we're getting off topic here. Okay, Mark, but Mark, is, Mark means like like, I, like it's not like unrealistic that C nine could okay like splice yeah. also not unrealistic right? Yep. Like just putting it putting it together like this. Um, obviously, I still think that splice is like probably the easiest sell because that's a group where like a bunch of shit could happen, right? When pitching pitching this group, this was like the very easy quote unquote upset group because almost anything can be considered an upset and almost anything isn't an upset. Uh, so by the same kind of logic. TL, I honestly think all games except for AHQ games have basically been won in draft. Um, or decided by some kind of like whoever had the better draft, and because all these teams are actually kind of close, um, IG Dam One TL, right? So by that by that logic, TL could easily get out of that group too. So, so, um, so you can make an argument for all these pe- these players or all these teams, but to Mark's point, you yeah. you need the stars to align to make this happen. Kelsey, do you think there's a reasonable chance of this happening? Even if it's Here, here's even if there's an here's a better question mm-hmm. because let's say what let's stack rank the chances that each of ha- like you think you know fanatics the most likely then C nine or like you know whatever whatever you're, you're like most sure. likely the least likely. I think most likely is splice just because of the nature of their yep. group. Like um, more I likely think, than TL. Uh, second most likely is TL. Oh wow. Um, third most likely is. C9, right? Wait, where am I going? Is it, am I missing one? Uh, Fanatic is missing. the fourth, then. Oh, yeah, because G2, we're assuming G2 just gets out. So if we're talking about Western teams in general, like G2, obviously, number one, most likely. Um, but then after that, like, we get to C9, and then finally Fanatic. It feel, even, even Fanatic, it's, like, non-zero, but then you get to approaching zero when you factor in Fanatic, uh, just because I think... Yeah, historically, Fnatic have completely turned around all of their shit before, right? That has actually happened. There is actually an instance where Fnatic is legitimately the only team in history to have done that, right? Uh, if you discount like that, everyone on that roster except for Broxa, Caps, or no, Broxa and Reckless is different, right? But um, still feels really, really impossible, so... Yeah, I pretty much agree with your ranks. I might flip flop C9 and TL. The weird thing is with TL. You think C9 is more likely than TL? Well, so here's here's the thing. Is like I kind of think so. C9, too, really. it's it's close to me. I, I'm I'm still just kind of flip flopping in my head because TL is three teams competing for two spots, and all of them are pretty good. 
you know, or at least like in the same ballpark of good. Whereas C9 versus IG, or excuse me, uh, uh, Griff, it, or Griffin, or Griffin, yeah, yeah is, is two teams fighting for one spot, but they're also kind of bad. And like, I think mm-hmm. more likely to randomly drop a game um, against like an AHP or something. So in that sense, I'll give almost... you everything except for that. I feel like <laughs> not to mention here's here's an argument like, too. HQ have actually, it's so sad because HQ have actually outdrafted most of these cases. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, it's uh, really sad. Oh wait, I said HQ. Yeah. I meant HK. Sorry, sorry, I, I misspoke. I think it's more likely yeah. that C9 or, or or G2 or um, Griffin could drop a game to HKA, um, yeah. which okay. makes that like closer to even to me than like TL having to. I don't know. It's close. It's super close. Like I said, I was going back and forth in my head. Mm-hmm. I just want to say... I, I, mean, I could see it just like from a strictly, maybe it's more 50-50 kind of angle. Um, yeah. Sure. Because like that's, again, historically, it's always better. Like C9 has always kind of benefited from being in a group with a team that's just not going to drop games, right? But that's I why say... like, I think G2 is a bit fickle because sometimes they just drop games on a win. So. Last yeah. episode... <laughs> We had a discussion about, I think that was the episode where Mark had the spreadsheet and we were going through like whether or not grouping. I've never heard a better argument for a change in format than Splice is more likely to make it out than TL. That just feels, that feels bad. Well, they're more likely to make it out than Fnatic too, who they lost to directly in a best of five. Yeah, but Fnatic is doing weird shit. Well, okay, that's that's fair, but so like... FPX is kind of choking there too. I don't know how high some people are higher on JT than others. I don't know where Kelsey landed on the G- scale, but I wasn't uh, that sold on them. And the fact that they're two and one in that group, I, I rated ga- I rated Gam over them. But again, like I said, this group was most likely upset potential group. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I, I Gam over them as well. So to me, this was this was a group where right. anyone who ended up in there. Has has a shot to get so out. Doesn't Mark work. says zero uh, percent chance. Kelsey, I'm just going to ask you: Do you think there's a reasonable chance that all Western teams make it out except for Clutch? Like I said, if we if we're willing to drop Fnatic, then I'll give him the reasonable designation. Okay, so, Jesus, you are yeah. super down on Fnatic this episode. I I just like I see what they're even when they were doing. Like, even when they were, let's talk about the 2017, right? Some of the stuff, some of the drafts they did, they at least, like, kind of had logical sense behind that this, a lot of this feels really weird. Um, I, I don't know. They just not, it's like the, they've got the trifecta of playing like shit, not understanding their own team, and then, then not even making things that are, like, objectively good in draft. It's really bizarre to watch, so, yeah. It's, it's the holy trinity of... Bad draft, mm-hmm. bad play, and bad coordination. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so. On that note, uh, Lucas, it sounds like <laughs> Fanatic might be dooming your hopes more than anybody. Uh, do you, ha- oh, you yeah. have anything you want to say as we oh, move yeah. on to the next caller? Well, I do agree with, uh, with the fact that uh, Fanatic has a very low a chance of making it out. Uh, well, uh, so uh, thank you guys all for the call and all the informations. Have a good day. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Have a good one. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right. Moving on to the next caller. We'll do one more call, and then we'll take our final break of the uh, of the night. But I do want to give a couple more shout-outs to some more subs. We've got Jake Pref and Klotzi 
and Tim Donger for 14 months. Hot Tech G2 will go 0-3 week 2. I don't think that's likely, but I like the suggestion. Tom Shu is rejoining the show. Tom Shu, remind everyone where you're calling from. Uh, hey, guys. It's been a while. Uh, calling from uh, Hampton Roads, Virginia. That's right. Uh, what do you want to talk about in the show? Uh, so I want to talk about uh, Group D. And can we talk about this enormous overhype that's been going on since with IG and with Damwon that's been going on since the beginning of plans and now that's finally getting exposed and just talk about how many people are actually falling for this narrative. And so I want to bring you guys back to, I think about maybe like a month ago. So there was this post on a uh, Reddit where it had, you know, the nuggery climbing to the top of solo queue playing only Klepto. And I sort of think that's where a lot of the hype ended up starting off for Damwon. And even though they were like third and like presented like serious problems and they kind of exploded from there as they just continued to beat on like random teams and play in stage and it ended up, you know, giving people, rating people higher than they should. So, and that ended up just, you know, just going out of control. And I think the same thing could be Sam for Damwon, which like a common like thing I kept hearing, a common narrative that I kept hearing for people rating IG over TL was that, oh, IG at their peak is world championships level, right? But the problem with that is how long has it been since IG has been world championship level? ever since like the very end of MSI when they lost 3-1 to TL. And that makes no sense to me. And they haven't shown this level pretty much for the entirety of like the LPL season. And then we come up here and expect them to just turn it on magically. Like a boot camp is just going to come and solve their problems. Well, it just doesn't work like that. And I see everybody here giving them the benefit of the doubt, even though, you know, TL didn't get any benefit of the doubt. I, everyone's like, oh, IG played in their worst series of their careers. And TL was like, oh, no, TL is just bad. So where's my benefit of the doubt? And it just makes no sense to me. And I think, I think now we're just finally starting to see that, you know, come around. And I'm getting a lot of pleasure out of it. So, what do you, so think? You, you think IG and Damwon are overhyped? Yes. See, this I is think another we, one I think we've all seen that now. This is one of those situations, again, where I just am like, I don't feel like there was that much hype, like, around either of these teams – Oh no! People were talking. People were talking about Damwon being, well, IG being potential world's contenders, up in that really? G two Fun Plus where tier. I, I feel like I feel like Damwon was was the more overhyped. What I was like from at least like the people around me. And I don't uh, even I feel like Damwon was that hyped from other people around me. I feel like people were like, okay, it's a fifty fifty on FTL makes it out or Damwon. And anytime anybody is claiming an NA team can 50-50 with one of these teams, it totally means that they're not overhyped. This was this was pre-play-ins. Like, this is before they actually got slotted into Group D. Kelsey, do you think that... Like, yeah, say, and... like, people were having problems, like, after they show their first game in groups where, you know, they lose. But, yeah, afterwards. Kelsey, do you think that, that Damwon and IG were hyped? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, that there was... It depends on what you mean by... Tom Shu, you're echoing a ton. Can you mute yourself? Oh, is that me? Yeah. Go ahead, Kelsey. It depends on what you mean by hype, by hype right? Uh, uh, so I think, so I so think, I think one, one, one factor, factor that's involved... Oh, oh, can I try, Travis? Uh, you... Hello? Yeah, I, I think, think you're Skype. Kelsey, did you unmute... Kelsey, did you... Um, 
Did I? Yeah, I'm okay. still muted. That's really weird. All right. I, it was weird because I feel like I muted Discord and unmuted Skype somehow. Anyway. By the way, if, if anybody's curious about the audio issues, uh, we decided to bring we we hired the Riot Sound crew from This World, um, <laughs> and that's to do, to do the show. Oh, fuck. And we thought maybe uh. it would be good. <laughs> If I burp in a little bit, and then, you know, you'll understand. Anyway, um, all right, Kelsey, restart, go. It wasn't that they weren't hyped, right? It's, it's, it's hard to, like, I think that they were pretty, pretty hyped to an extent, because I do think that people have rated Nuguri really highly, and I, I kind of feel like the shy when I see people comparing the two of them, because it's like, I'm thinking in my head, how is this guy constantly playing Klepto? I watch his laning and he's basically just like getting free autos when I feel like any most like top players with any sense of self-respect would just snap <laughs> off his hand, right? Like, it's just really strange watching him get like these non-interactive trades in top lane and then other top laners in LCK just not responding, right? So, like, to that extent, I felt, like, a little bit damn one overhyped, especially when they do these kind of all-scaling lanes. I'm always impressed with Canyon when they do those types of drafts because I feel like this guy is not put on the same pedestal as Tarzan and Clid, but he's always able to do way more with absolute... So, for me, it's like Canyon always gets a short end of this stick here. But yeah, I would say the damn one is it was hyped. I don't know if they were overhyped, but they were definitely hyped. I would say IG was hyped, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think they were at least hyped enough to put them over TL. Yeah, of I course. And was... I personally rated them both over TL, but I thought that the group was going to be close. There we I go. It's all, it's all coming around. Well, I mean, the group is not... still close. We're not proven wrong yet because if they beat TL, because I had I had Damwon and IG getting out over TL, and that could still happen, and so that doesn't make me wrong yet if it happened. Now I would say I overrated Damwon because I thought they would be better, um, which is totally fair, and I, I I've basically said that ever since Planes, where I was like, oh yeah, but I definitely overrated these guys, but I still think that they can easily get out, uh, and so can IG, and then I think. You know, depending on who you asked, who the tournament favorites were, you know, like legitimate, you know, substantial chance of, of winning the whole thing. I don't actually think I saw that many people like putting Damwon and IG in the, even the top four. They might have started breaking in there, but I saw a lot of, uh, you know, G2, SKT, maybe Fnatic, Fun Plus, uh, those yeah. kinds of those kind of people. I, de I definitely did hear like a fair amount of people talking about it, especially on like the Aria Dive for you podcast right before Worlds. I think Jat was talking about it. Oh, uh, IG wasn't looking good. This. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, whatever, that other podcast that <laughs> shall not be named. But but Jat was talking about, oh, if IG can get back to their MSI form, then they'd surely be a contender for Worlds. And I think that's fair to, you know, make that, that, that argument that if they can, you know, step up their game and get back to that level of rookie can step up and, land makes a, uh, a jump forward then they'd be at that level i mean i'll i'll like i'll give you that i think i overrated ig but i also acknowledge that that was probably going to be the result of me putting them up highly 
because I absolutely acknowledge that you're not going to the IG from 2018 World Championship simply because they have a very different jungle and a very different style. And the way that they were playing in the gauntlet was almost like forced team play that I'd almost never seen IG have, like that kind of level of team play, but they were playing it because their jungler needed way more help than Ning does, right? Uh, like Leian, I think most people can agree, has kind of been like outpathing himself this tournament, has been making a mm -hmm. lot of really poor decisions because he's revealed, like it's this is basically what we would get if TSM had made it to Worlds with Spica, right? Very, very similar situations. So I think that that's like not, not a knock against Leia in particular, and IG have kind of gotten out of the way to sort of accommodate them, and that has actually overall improved their team play, but it also shows that there's a big problem with their, their jungle support duo, and this tournament, I think jungle support duo is really important. So, yeah, based on that that criteria, I definitely overrated IG. Tom, yeah, I think, uh, oh, sorry, all right, then I guess we're, wrap up? we can all agree that I'm correct and will be correct. Okay, well, very good. Mark, did you want to wrap stuff up all right, at all then. on this? Or did no, you yeah, I'm not Okay. I'm sorry, it was... Tom, thanks so much for calling in. Anything you want to say as we move on to the next caller? Uh, sure, one last thing. Uh, I'm sure you guys are news that Bjergsen is resigning, but I just want to put this in your heads. Like, now that, what is 100T going to do now that they don't have news? But think about we'll, it. We'll probably talk about 100, that. 100T, we'll probably have Stewie. Another... Let's make it happen, boys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That was me this time. That wasn't Travis. Usually Travis. Travis no, no, yeah, saying. he just left. That was I, I, I think you could have just let the chat assume that it was actually me somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kelsey, Kelsey. Kelsey. <laughs> so we gave me. Kelsey the, the Mark C privilege. She booted him. Um, all right, we're, we're going to take a quick break, uh, the second break of the show, to talk about movement. They make amazing stuff. I go check them out, mvmt.com slash Travis. They've got uh, some watches, amazing watches. They're an LA-based company, um, and they've got some fantastic accessories for men and women. Um, I'm wearing one of their watches right now. Actually, you'll see this in uh, every interview that I do, as long as uh, I guess it's not hidden by my sleeve. Um, but I wear this watch all the time. They've sent some other stuff as well. I need to. I actually need to start sw uh, swapping it out for some other stuff because they've sent me some really great uh, watches. They've got blue. Oh, I wear their sunglasses all the time. Admittedly, I haven't had to wear them as much in Europe because there's no sun here. Um, but I, uh, they have a blue light filter glasses, which you can check out. That's fantastic for uh, using uh, the computer. They're the Everscroll is the name of that. Uh, you can go check it out at their site. And again, mvmt.com slash Travis. You go there, and guess what? You're going to get 15% off your order. I'm going to go ahead and put that in the chat right now, but I super appreciate <laughs> Twitch chat right now yelling at me. It's October, you West Coast pansy. Yeah, well, you know what? It's sunny in LA right now, right, Mark? I, yeah. Mark hasn't seen the sun, uh, but it is out it's there. It's out there. <laughs> he hasn't, he hasn't, <laughs> the cat's seen the sun. The cat's looking out the window right now enjoying the sun. Uh, <laughs> Get him some glasses. Either way. We don't know if they have any. I need to check and see if they've got any glasses, sunglasses for the cat, because uh, Mark's not going to be going out there anytime soon. But the, the cat can gaze longingly wearing them. Anyway, uh, mvmt.com slash Travis. Go check their stuff out. Save 15%. Really appreciate their support of the show and so much of the stuff that I do. Uh, moving on, though, to the next caller. we got uh, two more, I believe, uh, before we are 
We are done. Uh, Puppy, by the way, gifted five subs. Thank you, Puppy. That's very nice of you uh, doing that. Robot Russ with the 21 months and Lucky Stuff Twitch. Thank you, Puppy. Nihilist Gamer for 15 months and uh, Diane, is it Delay No More? Delay No More? Uh, yeah, Delay No More. Thank you for the sub. We're joined right now by Wrist Nubs. Wrist Nubs, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Colorado Springs, Colorado. Yes. What do you What do you want to talk about on the show tonight? Uh, my topic was I think that this world has been the worst I've ever seen from a broadcast standpoint because of the blame EU bias from both EU and NA casters. The sorry, mm. blame 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 what? What's the bias? Blatant. 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 EU bias. EU bias. Got it. All right. Well. <laughs> oh, God. This is a dangerous topic to get into. Um, Uh-oh, Travis. <laughs> do, do you feel that the NA teams have been slighted by NA casters, Travis? One second. Oh, <laughs> I thought he was running away. No, I was not running away. It's just the audio, the audio messed up, but it is it is funny that I did drop at that time. Um, okay, let me let me go first then because I I had some pretty fuego tweets. Not fuego isn't like funny. I just like yeah. By the way, I talked to the person who was in charge of that um, Mark, and they told or at least one of those things that you were complaining about on Twitter, and their response was, "NA needs to do something interesting at Worlds, and then they can be in a video." That, okay, that seems random. Is that true? That's what I mean. That's what the, I mean. I don't know if they were just being salty or snarky or whatever. But I, I explicitly said, "Look at this tweet Mark made. Why are you failing this way, Mark? You want to explain your situation?" Yeah, yeah. So one, this is I've seen this. The, re the reason I pulled this call was because I, I've seen this sentiment in Reddit threads as well. So I wanted to give um, Travis and Kelsey people a chance to at least hear it out and then disagree. Uh, my tweets were mostly just trying to be funny and mostly make fun of fanatic fans while also having a little bit of truth in them. Uh, I do think it was a little weird that they, they, they had the way they presented that like day one opener. Um, just especially compared to like, I really liked the one last year where you had the um, caster June kind of presenting the entire The entire landscape of the international league scene and its history and then they kind of like showed a bunch of people who are going to be contesting that and i thought like wow that was a really sick hype i hope they do something similar where they kind of capture what's going on in recent history stuff as well as kind of historical things um and i just it just didn't really do that and it felt like they just picked random star players to to give a spotlight to which i just i don't know i just like this is kind of random like why would you not cover G2 coming in as like clear tournament favorites? They did that a little bit, but it was more like a, a, a piece of a call from like, I think it was Medic or maybe it was Freak. Like, you know, and I, it was just was it, it Medic? They should have used Medic's call and they are the best team in the world. That would have been the well, best. I mean, that, that, that's fine. I just didn't feel like it's, it's set up. It just didn't feel like it set up groups and the questions that people would be having, no, actually, which, is, which, is, which is my only perspective. So actually, I forgot about that. So actually, one of the best openings or teasers or hype things for anything Riot's ever done, I think, was that Caster Jun yeah, that uh, thing video. Yeah, fucking amazing. In part because it was so prescient. I mean, for those of you that don't remember, 
uh, World's Groups last year in Korea, and the opening video is Caster Jun, who's the the Korean caster and host and hype man, so iconic, and he's he's sitting there talking about the pedigree of Korea and the teams and the dominance and how they've always been on top in that, uh, you know, and and of course Worlds is in Korea at this point in time, and. They're talking about, you know, like, now there might be a challenger. Is this the year that Korea falls? And it, and it turned out, yes, it was the year that Korea fell. And it was actually quite, like, it was very dramatic and very well done. And I, I think did a great job of actually telling a story about worlds. Whereas the opening for this was just sort of like, hey, look, it's uh, some famous people around. I, I didn't feel, it felt it was, like the, it same, was the same. I felt like that hype trailer could have been done. For a LCS finals, it was it was the same as all the other ones where you take the, the best players on what you think are the best team, you you let them say a line or two, and I thought what they did with 2018 with moving in the right direction of being more narratively focused than that, and because like, yeah, if you want if the if the person cut it says like, well, North America needs something on the world stage first. You know, that's, that's a totally fair point to make, but at the same time, North America is also coming off their best international performances the same way Europe is. And so, you know, I think it's the, the question with North America was like, was that shit a fluke? Because, I mean, I thought, I think it's a fluke, or I thought it was, you know, like I didn't think a TL should beat IG. And I think that that's something that would be on a lot of people's minds, as well as the fact that they're in the same group as IG and like setting up the storylines the way that cast tuned in 2018, I thought was what they're going to do in 2019 because there are, it's like, we're, it feels like we're in a mini revolution. We're like G2 is the best team in the world. That's crazy. It's like to, to have thought about, you know, going into worlds last year, that, that this be the, the landscape that we're in. And it felt like we just didn't acknowledge it, it. didn't really acknowledge it. Well, not to mention this is, you could do the same thing that you did with worlds last year, where like that, they were able to take the fact that Worlds was in Korea to have this discussion about can Korea stay on top. You could have done the same thing here with G2 where you're like... Yeah, put, put quick shot in front of the camera and talk about how crazy it is. All right, I don't, first off, you lost me there. But... What? So, <laughs> you know, anyway, it's sure. If you Somebody can be talking about uh, having... No matter what, you can have a discussion about G2 claiming their right to be the best team you you know what it is you start with a, a clip of hotline league of me no. saying i don't think they are necessarily the best team in the world and then obviously and then and then this is this and then that positions the whole set the whole feature you know around, like I, they have to prove this okay so i Personally, didn't think that this video was not doing what you guys were all talking about because I thought it was like, all right, you are including the reigning world championships champions. You have G2 saying, you know, we're awesome. And then like the immediate question mark of, okay, the last series that G2 played went to five games. And then you have Faker coming back. So like all of those were kind of acknowledged. You can argue the execution was bad, but like it felt very, very deliberately like this was definitely the storyline that they were setting up, that these were like the three teams that, and maybe this is why the last caller thought that people thought that IG was a contender because IG was in the goddamn trailer with SKT and G2. So like maybe that's, maybe that's a thing, but I think, in order to redirect us back to, like, is the broadcast super EU biased? 
I don't know. Because I don't really listen to the casting. But you guys can talk about it. I definitely disagree with that part. Um, I don't feel like they've been... I mean, I'm not paying... Like, like you kind of... It's early half the time I'm, like, semi-delirious. But I don't feel like they've been biased. At least on, like, the analyst desk or the the casting or anything like that. I feel like the analyst desk is the worst. Yeah, I, I admit that I ha- I haven't Papa been waking Smith up. Papa Smith being defected. Count- that's about it. <laughs> I I admit I have I've been sleeping through the countdowns and I've only been watching the post games and like the pre games and stuff. So I don't maybe maybe the the, the like the thirty minute pre shows are different, but the I didn't feel like the the analyst desk. Like, I I okay. Stuff. I have never said this before, and I have never felt this before. Um, And so I'm nervous to say this because I feel like I'm just going to get flamed and dismissed as, like, NA fanboy, which is ironic because I have said that I feel like NA's chances are very slim this year and all that stuff, right? Um, As all NA fanboys are, they're (laughs) eventually Korea fanboys. But I... I do feel... there's There's been a weird thing that I've noticed multiple times where it feels as though... The moment a North American game goes sideways, there's this kind of like weird relish or like conceit that comes out of some of the casters or the voices around the fact that it's happening. And it's just like, well, I mean, this is you just this is how it's going to be. You know, it's just this this air of like expectation that is frustrating. That is, I think, unique to um, unique to the North America games. Uh, I don't, and I don't, I want to be clear here. Like, I don't generally think that the casters tend to be very biased other than the entire LEC broadcast towards LEC. But I think in this situation, it definitely feels like, I don't know. It, I've kind of picked up on it. That's why, like, I just thought it was me, but then you called in and it just, it does kind of, I sense just a bit of it. Now, of course, like Reddit will blow that stuff up in a way that I don't think is necessarily fair, but I do feel like there's a little bit of subconscious stuff going on on the broadcast. I'm just saying, I, how many times can they mention, like, when G2's not even in the game, like, it's not even in their group, the G, they just start talking about G2. Yeah, it's like a Travis Doublelift interview. You know, it's just like, Doublelift's nowhere well, near this interview and he's coming up. In fairness, G2 are an insanely unique team, and in the history of League of Legends. And I'm not just talking about being a European contender to win the whole thing. I'm talking about the fact that they're actually basically a super team. The guy who role swapped and then, like, coming into this year, you ask me, who are the best players in each role in EU? And basically, I'd probably give you the G2 list. I mean, the, the perks, role swap, whatever. But I basically give you the G2 list, and then how many times does that actually work out? Like even right. I, most of the time people do it is because they're like, well, they're the best team. They must be. Like kind of like the rude yeah. thing with their best top player. Usually it's kind of just like, well, people are just uninformed. But I totally agree that like top to bottom, basically they're the best in slot across all of Europe. So I talk about G2 a lot, and I, that they're just like really fascinating. For that reason, not just because they're the best team in the world, but because of that reason, not just because they're European, but it's like they are the perfect storm of a team that you want to talk about. I think people should be talking about them. A lot. Well, and and the same way you talk about SKT at the like when they're the favorites or like when they're the best team in the tournament or coming mm-hmm. off an MSI win or something, you compare all the other teams in the tournament to them. So like when an SKT game ends, 
you might say, what's the point of bringing up G2 or something in an SKT game? Because I remember I noticed this after an SKT, RNG, I think it was SKT RNG, they brought up G2. But like that makes sense because G2 is the best team in the tournament and you're, and you're, you're discussing you know, cross-group dynamics. And I think you would do that against with any tournament favorite. So while, you know, caller, caller, you're probably right that there's more G2 talk than there's ever been for a European team before. It's, I'd say almost all warranted. It's the same way, like, I would want to talk about, like, pair people to whoever's the best team at that tournament. Like, you know, is SKT or G2 really the best? SKT's in a harder group, blah, blah, blah. Well, G2's crushing harder, you know? Like, I think those are fun, fun conversations to have more than, like, sitting and breaking down a game to, like, the nth degree when... Uh, you know, most people have, have tuned out and like the game's over and yeah. want to have like a more intricate conversation. Hey, we've got one more caller, so we gotta we gotta go because uh, Riot stuff is gonna be kicking off not too long. But uh, Ristnubs, thanks for calling in. Anything you want to say before we move on to our last caller? Um, I just I wish Frostkirin would find a story other than Fnatic went to five games against G two because that one's getting old. All right. Thanks, thanks <laughs> Have a good one. Uh, last. Uh, that was that's a that's a strong finish. All right. <laughs> um, no, we, I would read more subs, but we nobody else subs, so it's fine. Uh, S, how do you say your name? S J Pri. S J Pri. S J Pri. I just feel like you should get some more vowels in there. Uh, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from Freiburg, Germany. From Germany? Okay. What is your accent? Uh, it's Midwestern, I guess. I'm from Michigan. Okay, yeah, that's that's what I was getting at. Anyway, what do you want to talk about on the show? Um, so I want to discuss how Bjerg having ownership will not change the dynamic of the team, but it could set a really bad precedent for future teams that might consider part ownership. Okay, uh, why don't you expand on this? All right, so a little bit of a disclaimer. I am a TSM fan and a Bjergsen fan. I actually met you on Sunday, Travis. I was wearing a Bjergsen hoodie. I don't know if you remember that, but... Um, my take is that Bjerg being given part ownership will not change the dynamic of TSM because Bjerg already had a really high hierarchical status in the team itself. <laughs> Even with TSM's poor performance over the last two years, I don't think anyone was ever worried about Bjerg's position on the team. Along with that, his relationship with Reggie, I don't think part, as a lot of people think it is, at least in terms of team dynamics. I also think that Bjerg has the maturity and intelligence to not abuse it. Um, obviously, I don't really have insight into the current team dynamics, but all the impressions given by TSM and Bjerg over the last few years he's been there, he seems like the ideal kind of guinea pig of this like new territory. Um, and I think similar to High and C9, he would probably have the initiative to step down or to give others a chance if his performance was like ever lacking. But with that being said, this deal has kind of opened a whole new can of worms um, that could quickly get to some dangerous territory. Bjerg is probably the best guinea pig for this sort of a deal, but I could see easily see less experienced orgs making poor decisions down the line when trying to hold on to star players. Um, these players might not have the maturity to handle that sort of power. And I have a strong feeling that Riot will end up intervening with this sort of deal in the future, especially when this kind of goes negatively. Um, this is, for obvious reasons, kind of unheard of in any other sport, and most sports have rules to prevent it. So, so I, don't know I, I have some okay so let me let me start off here one 
My understanding, so this was not allowed under the Riot rule set previously. My understanding is Riot has informed people that behind the scenes that this is now allowed as of this Bjergsen thing, and they put in place a lot of rules and restrictions around it. I don't know if they've put any of that publicly. Um, if anybody has said that they've put it out publicly, let me know. Uh, but my understanding is they've now created a system where it is permitted um, underneath certain circumstances. And I think some of them are like the player needs to talk to Riot first and uh, have legal counsel that informs them of how this works that is opposing the organization's interests. And so it, there are a lot of protections in place to try to make sure that this doesn't happen frequently and when it does it happens underneath uh, pretty good things the other thing is there's just no i i there's this interesting narrative going on um that hey now he's a part owner he's gonna have all this power i think part owner is like i doubt that he's getting a very big percentage of this company i just don't think that like he has enough you know, it's the same way that I was a part owner of Yahoo when I worked at Yahoo uh, because they gave me shares. Like, I I just don't think that he's going to be able to impact much um, uh, in, in that role as an owner. And so I just don't think that it's a big deal where it's, he's going to come in and be like, what, hey, you have to do what I say, Acadian or Sven or whoever, because... I own this company. It's like, no, you've got a couple percentage points at most. You know, that's that's about it. So I just don't I don't see that being a big deal and I think that this will happen pretty infrequently. So I'm just not as worried about it. I kind of understand the the perspective though that it does make him feel more protected than he I mean like I assumed he already felt protected uh to people. Uh and Maybe this is making it like it's on paper now, um, in, a, in a sense. But I can I can kind of understand that concern. Like maybe he's not going to go with his like shares and be like, "Hello, as 0.1 percent owner of Team TSM, I think this, this, and this." But maybe it's more like if you have an argument with Bjergsen or Bjergsen starts playing badly or like these kinds of things. Maybe it, with the with the percentage, it, it, it changes the dynamic. But really, like I said, you think I, it I does? Feel... Like, I just can't. I can't imagine a world where he's like, like, there's just no. He can't. There, in no way is well, he this was... more than before. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is he was basically untouchable before. Maybe I, I'm not. I'm not in the room, so maybe it does make it a little weirder. But I, I imagine it was all already. If, like, if, if that dynamic existed, it would have already existed. By the way, somebody in Twitch chat just... said he got. He owns twenty percent of the company. Probably no. They did not give him a fifth of the company. Take so, I think, yeah, for me, the, the, the counter argument would be that if you're underperforming and you're continuing to play for the team, then you're depreciating your own equity. But I don't think, I think if anything, him not playing for the team would depreciate the equity of the team more, even if he's running it down just because of his gigantic brand value. And that's just kind of the reality of the situation is that a lot of it, this is just kind of a manifestation of the idea that brand value sometimes matters a lot more than performance. Um, so I think that that's a, that's, that's like a, that is something that I think this is more reflecting on than 
and so I think that the conversation that should be had should be more about that if we're concerned about performance rather than the ownership stake factor because I think that that ends up mattering more, right? But that's that's generally the the conversation that I'd rather have than uh, the ownership stake, which I I personally think is a big deal, but I haven't quite formulated an opinion on it yet but i do think it's a manifestation of this like larger issue my biggest concern in all of this is i don't know why he signed so early like i i like bjerg a lot um and i want his Mm -hmm. and i have i i want him to be in a really in the best possible position and even if his plan was always to stay with tsm why not wait until the off season to see what other options are out there so that you can use that stuff to leverage the best possible thing with TSM. There's no, there's a lot of players who like, if you, I am trying to think of somebody like, uh, like licorice. Let's take licorice. I like licorice, but if his contract was coming up, and he wanted to wait till the off season, like he might not have enough leverage to say, Jack, don't talk to any other top laners or like, you know, Jack, Jack, if Jack thinks licorice might leave, he might start talking to other people and seeing what options are. TSM would wait until the very last day of off season before making a move. If, if there was a chance that they could get Bjergsen, you know what I mean? And so I think that's the weird thing for me is like, I just feel like it is such a strange move to not wait until off season and let every team, including these new ones that are coming in, shove giant piles of gold in front of you and figure out what is the best option based off of that. Um, I mean, uh, I mean, I understand like there's definitely a advantage to waiting, but I feel like Reggie and Bjergsen both knew that he probably wasn't going to get anything better than equity in a company. Like, no matter how much money somebody's throwing at you, equity in a company in TSM is probably worth a lot more than that. Well, I, I, hmm, how do you evaluate TSM as a brand? Like, that's a larger question, right? Is that because I feel like TSM as a brand has is is like not as popular in the context of LCS as it used to be, right? So yeah. how do you evaluate it in terms of future returns? I mean, TS, equity in TSM could be worth $0 in five years mm-hmm. or a bajillion dollars in five years. Like, that's like yeah. that's the thing. Also, what if other teams are willing to offer you equity? Are you, are you, is equity from TSM worth more than equity from Team Liquid? What if Team Liquid's willing to give you more equity? I'm not saying that Team Liquid's the option, right? I'm just throwing it out there as an example. Like that, this is the problem: is that you actually don't know until you look at everything that's in front of you, and you have no risk whatsoever. Like TSM's also- not going to pull an offer from you if you're Bjergsen. I also think like. Uh- it could be something where, you know, you see this in basketball. Sometimes they structure their contracts in weird ways. Like the, the initial payouts lower to have us like a smaller salary cap hit or something like maybe Bjergsen's actual like monetary 
cost isn't that high because of this deal giving him equity. And then when free agency hits, maybe in his, like, they can go after other people that he wants on the team more aggressively because they know they have this space cleared up. Whereas, and like Bjergsen wants to be a big part of that decision-making process. Whereas if you wait for the best possible offer, unless you're doing like what happens in the NBA where they pay, like the players know who they're playing with before free agency even fucking hits. They, 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 they basically say us three are going to play together. Let's find the best deals we can find. And then like, they almost negotiate, like they don't really do it quite like that, but mm. kind of happens. So like, Twitch chat is tilting me right now because people, and this happens every other show, but somebody says the the risk is that the offer is that it's only allowed before he becomes a free agent. It's a common negotiation tactic. It is for people that aren't Bjergsen and TSM. Like, again, yes, that would make sense for like a licorice. No offense, licorice. But like for Bjergsen, TSM is never going to pull an offer from you. Like, they might tell you they're going to, but, like, they're not going to. You're Bjergsen. They need you more than you need them. I just I just don't get it. You know, and I'm, by the I, way, to be clear, I'm not saying I don't. I wish that Bjergsen would leave TSM. Like, somebody else in the Twitch chat was saying, yeah, but he and Reggie are close and TSM is his home. Sure. He could be sitting here saying to himself, I will never leave TSM. This is my home. I love Parth. I love everybody. But... But that there is no risk in waiting and making sure that you you have the best possible option in front of you from TSM. Because what if somebody else offers you something that is worth more? You can take that to TSM and negotiate. That's my whole thing. I mean, like I said, I think it's less about the sentimentality of being at TSM or, or anything. I think it's it's mostly a you know a plan of Bjergs to want to be integrated with the team. And he seems a pretty success-driven guy, uh, all things considered. And so he's like... I'm going to be a part of TSM and we're going to, and I'm going to go help get the best players we can get and stuff like that. And if he's, if he's not a part of the team, he's not helped building. And I think he wants to build a team or help build. Esports is about family. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. Like Twitch says like he's, he values the team more than money. Okay. That's fine. He can always, he can have both. He could stay on the team and also know that he's got the best possible option. He doesn't want to manipulate Big Daddy Reggie, though. League of Legends documentary going up on Netflix tomorrow, says the Notorious Mid. Is that just Does that just get released on their stream? Because I'm pretty sure I'm in that documentary. We should wrap up the show um, because stuff is going to start moving on the, the Riot stream. But, um, hey, thanks so much for calling in. Uh, do you have anything you want to say on the way out, SJ Pre? Uh, I have a few quick shout-outs. Am I allowed to swear? I just just go through it quick. Say, but right. uh, fuck Garen and Yumi. Get that off my screen, please. <laughs> okay, that's acceptable. <laughs> also, shout out the Yahoo boys. Shout out Alienware and uh, Kelsey. When are you going to be announcing that Mo is joining Hunter Thieves as the mid laner? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> good old Yas, folks. Thanks, right. so, thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Have a good Thank one. You. Well, that is the show. Uh, don't go anywhere because we're going to stick around on stream, or I'm going to stick around on stream and watch this, um, uh, watch some stuff together on on the, the stream. But uh, as for all this riot stuff, but uh, Kelsey, do you have anything you want to shout out here at the end? Uh, 
Thanks for having me on, guys. And if you would like to see my content, I'm currently writing for Desherto. I'll probably have some YouTube videos by own uh, by the end of Worlds. And also, of course, 100 Thieves, Need Shot, all that good shit. Nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a screenshot that says... Uh, they they found a on some Netflix somewhere. It says League of Legends Origins. The documentary hits a streaming service on Wednesday, showing everything from game development to today. Interesting. Uh, Mark, your shout out. Doing some tomorrow, recording it, and then they should come out in the following days, which I'm pretty excited for. So uh, they're sort of vod reviewy. Um, so just follow my Twitter. Mark C and I'll sure I'll be tweeting out whenever they go out. Are they going on your channel? Um, no, no, it's someone else's. Or you sold uh, this content? Sort of, whatever you want to call it. Are you getting paid? Yes. Oh, you sold be. this content. Okay, whatever, dude. Uh, other shout out. Not really a shout out. I went back and ch- I think more about it, and I, I checked again. I disagree with the guy about the 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 world's day one hypebeast. I went back and checked. Every other year, they've included pretty much every major region. With they they have slighted LMS a couple times. LMS can complain. I'll back them on it. Um, How does it feel to be LMS? I don't How know. Does it, it feels feel to weird. be LMS too? It feels weird because I could have sworn LMS hasn't gotten a team out of groups in three years, and we had. But maybe I'm just used. Uh, yeah, and then, and then the other thing I was gonna say was I just Why am I ship talking and anyway, I keep going. I don't know. It's just fun, right? It just comes <laughs> out of your mouth. Uh, yeah, and then I was also gonna say if if the point was like previous world champions and like mid laners and stuff with rookie faker and caps, I still just don't see how fanatic fits in there at all. But anyways, moving on. That's it. Final thought. So we're not really moving on. We're moving off. No, I've, I've just moved on. Now that I've, it's it's fallen out of my mouth. And, it, the, the thought is dribbling down and it's, it's gone now. It's off. It's out of me. Uh, this has on. been my show with Mark. Thank you, Kelsey, for being here. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you, Kelsey, for being here. Uh, I've got tons of Worlds coverage going up and some other coverage uh, going up this week. Be sure to check that all out on my YouTube channel. Subscribe and... Uh, also sub on Twitch. Love you all. Hotline League. We're done.